three men, three men that God's going to use in a mighty way tonight. Amen. The, the truth is, the word, the word coming from that Bible, amen, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if pastors preach, it doesn't matter any any of these three men are preaching it. God's going to move and God's going to speak to every last one of us tonight. I got my notes, I got my Bible, and I'm ready to get fed tonight. Amen. So we're going to kick off and get started. If you got your notebooks, amen. Got your Bible, say amen. We're going to invite uh, Brother Robert to come up here and he's going to come and deliver the word. See, I give him a VWO welcome, amen, as he comes on up. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good evening, church. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Chronicles 12. And we'll start in the 32nd verse tonight. Very interesting passage of scripture. The children of Israel are coming together to prepare for war, to remove Saul from the throne and to put David in. It talks about all the tribes of Israel and how mighty they were and how gallant they were. But I want to look at the men of Issachar tonight because the men of Issachar were slightly different. They were smaller in number. And picking up in the 32nd verse of 1 Chronicles 12, it says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. They had an understanding of the times in which Israel was not only supposed to do, but what they were going to do, what they were going to accomplish. They weren't just showing up for a fight. They knew that there was something significant, something very important about to transpire and take place. I move you forward now to the year 2014. Pastor preached this morning about how he believes that we are truly living in the last days. And, and as he preached the message, I thought he was fixing to cross a little into what I was going to touch on tonight. Amen. We are living in the last days. We are living, I believe, in some of the, if you are not in the kingdom of God, if you're not in the church, if you're not born again, then these have to be some of the darkest times and darkest days of American history since probably the Great Depression of the 1920s and 30s and early 40s. I want you to understand we're living in a financial crisis. People are losing their jobs. People are, are losing their homes. People are losing everything and have nothing left. But I can tell you and testify that even though that Martha and I have gone through some trying times, God has always provided in the nick of time. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. I look at the spiritual state of the church today and it concerns me what I see going on in the church. We need to understand the times, church, in which we live and know what we, we need to do so that we don't fall into the trap and, and into the ways that a lot of churches have wandered off into. I look at how the spiritual state of the church has trickled down into the world and, and how we have employers now who want to treat their employees more like slaves and property rather than employees. We have a tyrannical government now that is really placing itself in power to take away your civil liberties and your constitutional rights. Little do people know that at Thanksgiving of last year, our government voted Congress the power to change the Bill of Rights in the instant, in the second, need be, if there was another terrorist attack in this country. Very few people know that our current president has six members who are members of his cabinet who currently and directly have direct ties with one of the largest terrorist groups in this nation, the Muslim Brotherhood. I can name these men for you tonight. But I won't because if I did, lawyers would probably line up from here to Washington to come after me. We're living in trying times. We're living in perilous times. The Bible teaches us that in the last days, there will be perilous times. Men will be lovers of selves, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And they're not just in the world, they're in the church. When Martha and I were in Colorado with kids a couple of years ago in Estes Park, I was up late one night praying or up early one morning, however you wish to look at it. It was dark and it was at one of those hours where our bodies are supposed to be sleeping, but I wasn't. And I read out Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. 
in the parable of the wheat and the tares, and God spoke to me that night. And it was so profound why he spoke to me that night or morning or whatever it was, I wrote it down. I, I wanted to share it with you tonight. It, God spoke this to me. He spoke, but it is possible to mistake busyness for godliness and activity for spirituality. The only thing that produces lasting growth is the word of God. Preaching and programs without the word of God may produce quick growth, but it will not last. The Lord said to me that we need word-centered ministry and that must start from the pulpit on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and midweek service, and that it must start and be birthed in prayer. Preachers who preach about everything under the sun in every current event rather than the word of God need to wake up and realize that they rob their congregations of the one thing that they most desperately need and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But preachers are too interested in being other things today. I look at the state of the church. We have a, a kind of a, a Gehazi spirit, so to speak, gripping the church. Gehazi reminds me of the modern day Pentecostal movement who says there's nothing there anymore. No power at all. Hello. Gehazi should have been to Elisha what Elisha was to Elijah, but he wasn't. What is it that the church must do in order that we stay on course, that we stay in, in, in what God is wanting to do today so that we are producing fruit, that we're not getting caught up in the programs, so that we're not taking on the celebrity pastor status and that we're not becoming Hollywood church. I believe the first thing that we need to do is found over here in Colossians. And I'll get my Bible turned over there real quick. Shame on me for not already being there. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says this. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Beloved, we live in a day where we need to increase in the knowledge of God. We need to learn that as we increase in the knowledge of God that two things happen. One, we gain a spiritual understanding and we increase in our knowledge of God, not just knowing about him, but knowing him. Truly, church, we live in the hour to where we must come to a place where we know him in order to make him known. I cannot tell you much about some people because I've only read about them in books. And you can gain that same knowledge, but being in the presence of someone, you can learn about them and come to know them in an intimate way. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ desires for us to do today, is to come to that intimacy, that, that place of knowing him, so that we can make him known. How many of you really want to see the devil get it bad tonight? Then get to know him, so that you'll know that your weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So that when the devil raises his ugly head up, instead of saying, devil, I'm gonna give you an uppercut, you know that his place is really under your feet and you're stomping on him and saying, devil, you overcome in the name of Jesus. Amen. Know him and make him known. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, God said to Solomon, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear their prayer and I will heal their land. I want you to know something. It's time for the church to come back to prayer. One of the things that I've learned since I've been a part of this fellowship is a prayer room and I have enjoyed it immensely. I wish when I had pastored before I'd had a prayer room in the churches where I'd been at before. I've learned something new here. You see, you can pastor for 15, 20 years and you can still learn new things. And if you're in a place where you can't learn, you've got a problem. I remember the old Pentecostal Church of God pastor that one time declared from his pulpit that he said, I came into this thing 40 years ago this way. I'm never gonna change. I ain't gonna change and I'm never gonna change. And I thought to myself, man, that is one spiritually dead dude right there. He's done, declared his death. Folks, if you ever declare that you're not gonna change, you might as well just ask God to take you out. We 
We need to be seeking the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto us. What is it that you're seeking? Are you seeking fame or are you really seeking the kingdom of God? Are you seeking his presence? Are you praying for his will? Are you under, are, are you kind of still got your own little hidden agendas? I want you to know the church, the house shook when the church prayed in the old days, not because they had personal agenda set aside, but they were in unity and in one accord. And beloved, the church will never come in unity and in one accord until we lay aside our own personal agendas and what we want to do for the kingdom of God and, and get it in our mind that we're going, to, we're going to take ownership of the vision of the house and make it a part of our life and accomplish it. A life of humility and prayer is what we need in this day in, in which we live. We don't need super Christians. We don't need celebrity pastors. In fact, there's a new religion being birthed in America right now. In the 1800s, during a spiritually deprived time in the history of our country, we birthed Mormonism and we birthed the Kingdom Hall of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And now we have a new one on the rise. And it's being birthed by one of our celebrity pastors. I'll name him, and if he wants to line the lawyer up, he can, and his name's Rick Warren. He wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Church. Now he's out preaching Chrislam. How many of you know what Chrislam is? It's a combination of Christianity and Islam. Him and an Iman are going around all over the nation preaching how the Quran and the Bible actually complement one another. I want you to know something. Nowhere in the Quran does it claim what the Bible claims, that all scripture is inspired by God. We're living in that kind of a day. And then we have the Hollywood church. Martha and I went to one of those for a while. The only reason why we stayed is because I had credentials with them and I was in a position where I had to stay. The only good thing that came out of that place was they had a decent children's ministry. Everything else, well, <laughs> just call it like I see it. I have no filters. How many of you realize that? I'm going to tell you another thing the church needs to do, and that's we need to daily seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost for our life. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 teaches us that if we will walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Folks, the baptism of the Holy Spirit produces two things. First of all, it produces the fruit of the Spirit of our lives, and it empowers us to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish because we're walking in the great anointing when we do that. And the gifts of the Spirit are able to operate in our lives. Here's another one. Some of you, I know I'm fixing to be preaching to the choir now. Our SMOs are missing tonight. Robert Ayla, that's his, his thing, SMOs. If you don't know what an SMO is, that means Sunday morning only. If you're a Sunday morning only and you listen to this podcast, I pray to God I offended you. Get it right. Stop being, now if you have a job, and I understand that, I've missed church a few times because of work. I understand that. But if you're home tonight watching the Seahawks and the 49ers, I hope your team loses. <laughs> Just please be rooting for the 49ers. It's time that we take serious the scripture of Hebrews 10, 25, where it teaches us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Folks, we need to faithfully attend church. At church, we get edified and discipled. At church, we have fellowship with fellow believers and we get encouraged because we see some of our fellow believers going through some of the same things that we've gone through. So maybe we get to encourage them or they get to encourage us. At church, we get equipped for ministry and we get equipped for daily living. We don't need to be out on Sunday nights watching the, wasting our time with the Dallas Cowboys. As long as they have Romo, they'll lose. He's the world's greatest choker. Statistics don't win games, folks. Bring in Tebow. He knows how to win. Amen. That one was free. <laughs> Lastly, church, we need to get our eyes on the harvest. In Matthew chapter nine, verses 36 through 38, Jesus said, look up and see the fields of the harvest that they are white and ready for harvest. And he talks about how the laborers are few. Beloved, we have a labor shortage in the kingdom of God tonight. We need 
to get out and preach the gospel. I practiced my sermon Friday afternoon on a bunch of fishermen at Lake Louisville at Big Sandy Park in Shady Shores, Texas. So we need to get our eyes on the harvest and realize that we have a hurting world out there who needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Look on the fields. Kind of reminds me of the old Beatles song, Nowhere Man. He's a real nowhere man, making all his nowhere plans. Making all his nowhere plans for nobody. I tell you what, church, we need to stop making nowhere plans and we need to get a hold of the vision of the house and we need to take ownership and run with it. Dylan. Amen. Amen. I hope your team loses, SMOs. Amen. That's a good one, Robert. That's a good one. Amen. Guess what? I heard something really good. We need to we need to know him in order to make him known. Amen. I think that's a, that's a that's a the entire word was a revelation. That was a real revelation for me. We need to spend some time and get some intimate time with Jesus so we can make him known. So when we get out there, we are we we have a what we call a sharp edge. Amen. So man, that's a man. Friday morning, you get what you get where that's going. Amen. Amen. We, we're going to have uh, Robert come up next. Amen. Robert and Robert are back to back. Amen. He's going to deliver the word. Keep your heart open. Let God speak. How y'all doing? Uh, earlier before service, uh, I was back there and Robert came. I said, man, quit copying my notes. <laughs> but... Um, Mine gonna go to Matthew 25. Y'all pretty much know this story. 1 to 13. It says, At the time the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took the oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridesmaid was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they cried and rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. When the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and for you. Instead, go and Go with those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were in their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went into him to the wedding banquet, and, and the door was shut. Later the others came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door. But he replies, I tell you the truth. Don't, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you, don't know, you do not know the day or the hour. I would give a title. I said, get your game on. Uh, this past Wednesday, pastor preached what 24-hour difference can do. Well, last Sunday, he preached, I think, one of the top three sermons that I hear him preach. And he was sick, and he preached like 20, 25 minutes, you know, nice and short. Uh, but he was really sick, that's why. But I text him, and I text him, hey, pastor, you bust up a Michael Jordan against Utah Jazz. When I was younger, I used I watched that game, and he had food poisoning or something. And but he played one of his best games, and Pastor replied, "Well, no, I did better because it was the Word of God." I say that's true. That is nothing but the truth. Just don't think you play better than him. <laughs> but within that, uh, you know, Pastor quit. Pastor preached about quit complaining, quit whining, and, and get going because sometimes we say, well, I'm not ready to be used by God. Well, you're never going to be ready because, you know, God is, is, is waiting for that person that is going to be willing to, to move on and, and to start talking and to start speaking about his words. You know, as we know, this world and our church is like, there's a lot of them before his sermon, you know, it's just like a switch that he always say, it's a switch that they turn on. You know, I always complain or I always say, eh, you know, I'll, I'll talk I'll talk to more people later or, or always whining about something that I don't like a church or somebody. But, you know, it's time to wake up because there's a lot of people going to hell nowadays. I, one of my co-workers got a part-time day and he goes, picks up 
bodies. They call him. That's his part-time job at nighttime. And he always tells him the next morning, man, I went and pick up three bodies. I went and pick up a body, you know. And I think, man, that's a tough job. I wouldn't want to do that. But how many souls or not souls no more? How many dead bodies lost their soul? You know, we don't know. And we just sit here, you know, we get fed, we get fed. But we don't speak the word of God to this, uh, the, like Robert said, you know, this dark world is dark and dark, you know. And we don't say, we don't do our job. I think we should wake up, you know, because this is the last days. Last days, you know, and, and uh, we're just sitting down, you know. Yeah, we're Christians. We're just going to come and praise God and sit down. But uh, like Pastor said a couple of years ago, you know, we got the medicine for the cure for the sin that everybody's dying on. But we don't want to give it out. It's like we just want to keep it to ourselves. And that's the sin itself. Because Jesus Christ, you know, came here to save everybody, but we just keep it to ourselves. Because we're afraid at work that they might fire us or they might write us up, you know. It, it don't matter, you know. Uh, my job is kind of hard and it's easy at the same time, but when you first start, it's not the best paying job. You know, they want to see if you're going to stick with it, then they'll start giving you a little raise and a little raise, and it gets better, better than no job. But uh, but one of the things that I always see with a new guy, I always comes here and, and starts cussing, like to make him look big or something. And I always tell him, hey, man, you know that for every word, you're going to give account to God. So uh, they're like, what? Say, for every bad word that you're saying, I say, I'm not trying to be Mr. Holy on you, but I'm just trying to warn you because one day we're all going to be judged. And you keep on cussing and all that for every word. And you're not saved, you won't give account to God. So you better watch it. And they start watching now that sometimes a couple of them quit cussing, period. But, you know, we, we also got to be the, that light. That light at like Pastor was preaching this morning. We gotta be that light at work, school. Uh, they gotta know that we're not okay. Everybody's Christian. Everybody knows God. I'm a Christian, but we they gotta know we're serious, and not to say oh I'm righteous. They should see that on you. You shouldn't be telling them hey you know I'm holy. Don't be doing it. No, they should see that just the way you talk, the way you work, the way you deal with people. You know it's. Uh, in uh, believe in let me see was it Mark? Anyways, he says in the Bible we cannot hide our, our light under the the bed. You know we gotta put it in a up up in high so they can see Jesus on us. We can't just be like Pastor say this morning. Oh, I'm a Christian, and the other guys are Christian, but we're not doing no nothing different than the other people. Um, I'm not even going with my notes. You know, we can all do all things through Christ, man. Philippians 4.13. But uh, we got to keep going because he says, uh, you might say, well, it's, it's kind of hard in our day because this world is it's just crazy. Well, you know, Hebrews 13 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. So he, uh, Mark 16.15, he said, go and preach to the world, you know, the good news to all creations and believe and be baptized and be saved. And, uh, but whoever should not believe, it's going to be condemned. And it is our job as uh, followers of Christ to give them that medicine, that warning, and like, hey, you know, there's a better way because the way you're going is the big highway. And you know where that's going to take you. So, and uh, like I was saying, it was Luke 18. No one, no one light, a lamp, no, sorry. No one light, a lamp, and hides it. No one has one light and hides it under, and puts it in a jar under a bed. Instead, put it in a stand so they can come and, and, and see the light. So, we, like I said, we got to keep on being that good light in, in anywhere we go, not just here at Sunday because, you know, we're around brothers. You know, we got to be out there and, and show that, you're going to be a, a good servant of God and, and show that light to everybody so they can see the difference that God gave, made us. I mean, we don't want to be like like Saul, you know, we're Mr. Bad when we're in the world in the club and who's going to be staring at me? But then when you come Christian, you're all like all scared looking down, you know. No, you got to be like more, hey, I got Jesus on me now. So, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I was, I'm a better man than what I've ever been, you know. 
in Matthew 12, 36, it says, but I will tell you that men will have to uh, give account to all the day in the judgment, you know, what I said about the bad words. So we got to keep on at it and at it. And uh, let's say, let me see. In John, in John 8, 32 says, then you will know that the true and the true will set you free. But we have to tell them the truth. We don't tell them once again. They ain't going to have that medicine, which is the blood of Jesus, to cover their sin. You know, I don't want to be like that. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember the story of Lot in that, uh, that uh, wicked city, Sodom and Gomorrah, where uh, his uncle Abraham was talking to God and saying, God, if there's 50 men righteous in that, in that village town, will you not destroy it? And they said, how about 20? How about one? And God said, yes, I will not destroy it. But they couldn't find not even one. You know, and Lot and his family was there. I don't want to be like Lot. You know, because Lot wasn't doing his job. If he would have been doing his job in that town, there would have been more people saved. You know, I want, I want to be more like, like Peter and, and, and Luke and, and uh, Joshua and all them good guys, you know. Uh, we, you know, when the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a wicked, it was so wicked that the men were after them angels because they said they were so handsome in appearance and they want to be with them. You know, and God told them, go up the hill and get away from them and, and don't turn back. We can't turn back to our sinful world, you know, not because we think we're more holy than everybody, but we know we go back to the same trash we came from. We're just nothing but little piggies. So, uh, you know, and the way we know on John 10, 27, 28, the Lord says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and that shall never perish. No one can snatch them from my hand. But as we know that that is a promise that God gave us, there's also a promise that if non-believers don't believe on God, they're going to be perished forever too. You know, so back in Joshua, you know, Rahab, is that right, Pastor? Rahab, I can pronounce that. I have to ask Pastor. Uh, that was in town of Jericho. And... Uh, they told, they give them a, a symbol to Rahab. They say, we're going to come and take Jericho, but whoever is, is in their house is going to be saved and won't be killed, won't be destroyed. You know, and she was smart and she gathered all her family and everybody put as many people uh, there that would serve God and would listen. And when, the, when they came and the walls fell of Jericho, they went and passed their house and they were saved. That's the way we should do it. You know, we got Jesus. We got to get that sinful world from out there and say, not because we think we got it on, but we do in a way because we got Jesus. Without Jesus, they don't got life. They're going to be burning in hell. So we got to be smart like that woman and get as many people as we can. I mean, we can make a difference between one person. Man, if you can take a look at it, this thing would be, this church would be full. And just one person. If we can touch the life of one person, you know, it don't got to be one person, but you can start at one person. Imagine if we do that every week. Keep on touching lives. Even though if they don't come here, they find another church, that's fine. But you planted that seed. If somebody else is going to water it, and, you know, people got to do their jobs. Amen? So as we do this, you know, we, we got to plead the, the blood of Jesus to our family. Some family members are, are dying without God. And I mean, it's sad because, like I said, we got the the medicine that is the blood of Jesus, so they won't perish. But we just keep it to ourselves, you know, long distance relatives, uh, family members. We don't even keep in touch. But you know, we should call them, say, "Hey, how you doing, man? I've been praying for you," so they can know that you're real, not just talking to them to know the gossip of what's going on in their family. You know, man. So we got we got to do that. Just I was just putting a little encouragement because Pastor encouraged me that last Sunday pretty much. You know he turned that that light on for me because we can never do enough for for God, and it is our job to to move on and and preach the worth of God. I mean you know he said go preach to every creation that pretty much created. So we can say at the end 
like on 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Amen, brothers. That's all I have for y'all. Amen. 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 That's a good word. Amen. Let me tell y'all something. That was an amazing word. Like Rahab. You know, Rahab had the opportunity. You know, Rahab could have been scared. Say, oh, no, if I go tell people and this and this and that. But no, Rahab was smart. Because everybody that got in that house, everybody that got in the house got out saved. Amen. And we should take that faith just like Rahab and go out there and say, look, all we got to do is open our mouth. Amen. The word of God in Luke chapter 12, 12 says in that very moment, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you ought to say. Amen. We take that step and we just move forward and deliver the word. God's going to take our mouth and God's going to speak through us. Amen. That's a powerful word right there. Amen. Don't light that lamp and put it under a table, but let it let it be seen. Amen. Amen. We're gonna go ahead and uh, you know, it's so it's so powerful that that these guys didn't talk, but they're preaching the same thing. Amen. This is like a full course meal, three courses. Amen. Now we're going to dessert. Come on, brother, brother Dway, come on up here. Amen. <laughs> Thank Jesus. Thank him every day I wake up, you know. It's just uh, just where he brought me from, you know. Just what I was doing, just out. You know, I was I remember I was on on a guy's couch, just sitting there defeated. I was defeated. You know, I didn't know what else to do. You know, I didn't have nobody else to call, you know, anything. And um you know, in um Ephesians verse two. Uh, chapter 2 verse 5 says even when you're dead in trespasses he made us alive together with Christ you know what I mean and and that's what he did for me you know I was I was done you know I didn't know what else to do but he was like hey I got you don't worry about it you know so I get up that morning go to work you know and um then that lady, you know, invited me out. You know, it was like, man, thank you. You know, I didn't say thank you then because, you know, that's not what I wanted to do. But, you know, it was just that, just what I had to do. You know, I just said thank you. Just said yes to, to God. And um, and I just thank him every day. But um, I just want to just tell you a little bit about me and um, just how that day went. You know, so I went and um, I said yes to him. And he was like, you know what? I got something for you. You know, I got a call. Jesus called me, amen. Jesus called me. He said, hey, you going to come to church tonight. He said, and you know what else? That lady you've been wanting, I'm going to give her to you too. Amen. amen. That's what Jesus said to me, amen. So I got my beautiful wife sitting right here up front. Amen. But um, I just want to focus a little bit on uh, Matthew 14 and when Jesus walked on the water. Amen. Um, verse 22, 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and, and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Amen. So. If Jesus go to go by himself to pray, that's probably a good thing. We probably should do that too, amen? That's probably something that we should do too. But, uh, and it says, now, even when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the winds was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke and said, uh, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
But when he saw that the winds was boisterous, he was afraid and, and began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat and when the wind ceased, they were in the boat and came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Yes. Amen. And I just want to focus on um, three points that I have. You got to answer. The first thing you got to do is answer that call when Jesus is calling. Because he going to call you. He done called every last one of us. And that's why we're in this place right now. Because he called each and every one of y'all. And uh, what we have to do is answer the call. And then we have to come to him. That's what Peter did. He had to come to him. And then after we come to him, you got to walk. That's what he did. You can't just come to him and then just sink. You'll just sink right there. So you had to come to him. But uh, in verse 28, Peter, an Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter answered him. And that's what, that's what we had to do. So that's what we came here to do. We came to church. Each one of us came to church tonight. So we answered that call. We answered that call. And, uh, you know, um, whenever somebody call, you know, I done seen a lot of people when they get a phone call, they don't know the number, they send it to voicemail. You know? We can't send Jesus to voicemail. You know what I mean? You send Jesus to voicemail, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> so don't send Jesus to voicemail. Amen? And then some people, they, they get smart. They like, well, if I send them the voicemail, then they know I've seen it. So they let the phone keep ringing. So Jesus calling, he's like, hey, I need you. I need you. And they like, uh, I don't know who that is. You know, let's put it to the side. But you can't keep letting Jesus, Jesus call you and not answer the phone. Amen? Because that's just saying that you are trying to ignore him or you're too busy. And then you got those people that see those unknown numbers, those bill collectors, whatever it may be. So I got my, my wife, she don't answer phone calls because she's too nice. It's crazy. <laughs> she told me she sat on the phone and talked to one of them people for a long time. I was like, who does that? You know, just hang up. <laughs> but nah, she, she's an awesome lady. But, you know, you just got to answer the phone when Jesus called. And that's what we did tonight. And the next thing we have to do, we got to come to him. And if we don't come to him, then answering the phone call means nothing. Coming to church is just a waste of time. You, you might as well just go do what you was doing. So you got to come to him. And when you come to him, it's all about listening to that word. And, and you're like, okay, I get that feeling. You're like, man, I really understand. I'm understanding this. And then when you understand it, you got to take that next step. And when I say come, I don't mean come to church. I mean come down to this altar. Answer the call when we, when we say, hey, who want to give their life to Jesus? That's what we have to do. We got to come to that altar. That's what I did on that Tuesday night. You know, I was like, I, I don't understand. Because I was supposed to be somewhere else. But, you know, I was here. I was sitting, sitting right up here. And the guy, you know, he was like, hey, if you want to come down to this altar... You know, and give your life to Jesus. I came down to this altar and I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to give my life to you. Amen. And that's what we have to do as, as, as Christians. So many times we got people that go to church. Yeah, I go to church, but I'm going to go to the party Saturday. You know, I'm going to go drink Monday. I'm going to go to the bar Wednesday. I'm going to do all kind of stuff. And don't pick their Bible back up. Don't do anything until Sunday morning. You know, them SMOs, amen? And, you know, we just, have to, we just have to go. And once we say, hey, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you, that's what we have to do. And then, you know, we got so many preachers, so many people that say, hey, being a Christian is easy. All you got to do is, you know, accept Jesus one time. And then you can go live how you want to live. And when you die, you're going to go to heaven. That's a lie. And they're not going to tell you that's a lie because when you're coming on Sundays, you, you're like, man, 
I need to bring my money or whatever the case may be. They got a full crowd. This whole place would have been filled up if you say, hey, you can do what you want to do. Just come to church Sunday. This whole place would be filled up. But that ain't what, the, that ain't what it's about. Amen. It's about coming here and saying, hey, Jesus, I give my life to you. And it ain't about just coming here and being like, okay, well, I'm going to be the super Christian, so I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to quit drinking, I'm going to quit doing all these things. That's not possible. You can do it if Jesus wants you to do it, but, but we human. So what we got to do is say, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you, and instead of drinking a 12-pack, I'm going to try to drink six to start out. And then I'm going to break it down to two. And then I'm going to break it down to one. And then I'm going to try to get off of it. I'm going to try to do something else. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to quit right then. Because it don't work. And then you go back into the world feeling crazy. And then the people are like, dude, I just, I thought you was with Jesus. And you're like, uh, I tried it. That, that didn't work. That didn't work. It was too hard. You know? And being a Christian is hard. It's real hard. Because you got your friends that you want to be with, but they not doing what you do. So you're like, I got to let you go. You know, you, you ain't even got to tell them. You just, hey, you know, they, they know. Like, man, this dude going to church, he doing all kind of stuff. So he obviously not trying to do what I'm trying to do. And, you know, you just got to say, hey, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a do Jesus. I'm not even going to do me. I was feeling to say I'm going to do me, but you can't do me. You do you. And you're going to go to hell. Because you're going to fail. Amen. So you just got to say, you know, Jesus, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to give it to you. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. But they said I got to read the Bible. So I guess I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start reading the Bible every day and making that a part of my life. And that's what you got to do. You can't. Some people just say, man, I'm going to. You know, just try to be super. And when you be super, you, it ain't going to work. I, I'm going to keep saying it all night till somebody get it. It ain't going to work if you don't got Jesus with you. Amen? And, and you know, whenever you come, it's like, man, you got to say, because I, I, I invite a lot of people to church. Like, that's, that's something I like to do. It, it makes me happy. Like, when I'm feeling down, I try to go reach somebody. I try to go talk to somebody. Try to invite somebody to church. I do it all the time, but especially when I'm feeling down. Amen. And, and then you just get them, they be like, well, I'll try. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. And the reason it ain't going to work, because the devil like, nah, you ain't going to church, because I got, I, I got something for you. So you like, they like, oh, I'm going to come, but I ain't even got no job. The devil going to give them a job. They're going to work Sundays and Wednesdays. Every day they got church, they're going to have a job on that day. Amen. Every, and, if, and if you got a job Then it's going to be something else It's going to be a girl It's going to be money It's going to be something Whatever you're struggling with The devil got it And he's going to give it to you Because that's, that's what he do And so you just got to say You know what Dude I'm coming to church No matter what happens Because I know you're going to get a flat tire Something's going to happen But you say hey I got your number just in case I do get that flat tire You come pick me up so I'm going to come to church. And that's what I had to do on that Tuesday. And I don't know, but God put my wife in my life on that night because he knew that if she wasn't coming, then I might not have came because I had something to do. Amen. I had something to do, but I was like, man, I get to see her and go to church. I'm going to church. Amen. And Jesus, and Jesus moved that night. Jesus moved, amen? And then we, and matter of fact, that first night, it was, we, we barely even talked that first night, but I seen her. Amen? I seen her. And then, that, then I was like, hey, you coming back tomorrow? Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I'll be there too, amen? So I was there. So we was there, and, and, and that Wednesday, I was like, okay, cool. So then after church that Wednesday, she's like, we need to talk. So we go, go back to the house, talk, and I ain't left since. Amen? I've been there ever since. Amen? Well, I tell you, Jesus good. Amen? Hey, I don't know, but hey, Jesus moved in my life. Amen? And I give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen? 
but uh you know we just go and 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 um we just look back in verse 29 and it says uh so he said come and when peter had come down out of the boat he walked on the water amen and that's the last and that's the last thing that we have to do you know we done we done came to church and we done and we done uh can't and then uh we we answer the call we answer the call and then we come to church you know whenever it's all said and done you know he can give you that option like hey you want to give your life to jesus and you come up here and then you you know you give your life to him and it ain't about an instant change i said that it's not about an instant change it's just about making that decision so we make that decision and then the next thing we have to do is walk it out that's the title of my message if anybody want to know we got to walk it out because that's what we got to do we got to we got to come in we got to say hey jesus i really don't know what i'm doing and i really want to be doing something else i mean i like church and all but i really want to be doing something else but i made that commitment to you that night i said that i'm gonna give my life to you and I said that I'm going to try to work on myself. That's what you have to do. You got to work on yourself. Those, those uh, temptations for, I don't know, whatever it may be that you're struggling with. If it's drugs, if it's, if it's women, if it's lust, whatever the case may be. Those things are going to be there. But what you have to say is, you know what? I said I'm going to give my life to Jesus, so that's what I'm going to do. And, and the best way to do it is to say, hey, I'm going to meet some people at the church. Because that's what I had to do. I had to meet some people. You know, because if I came and just sat by myself and then leave, I'm still in the flesh. And my flesh going to win every single time. Me by myself, I can't beat the devil. He's good at what he, what he does. He's been doing it a long time. You know, if it's just me, he's going to sit that, he gonna sit that uh, whiskey bottle right there like, hey. There it is right here. Don't touch it. And you're looking at it like, uh, no, nope, I, I said I was. I said I was going to follow Jesus. But then you got, you got it. It's just sitting right there. And it's like, okay, so he going he gonna to open the top. Smell this. Smell just like the stuff you used to like, ain't it? You know, smell this. Get, come on. Take a sip. It's just one. You'll be all right. Just one sip. You by yourself. But when you got that person you can call on and say, hey, I'm struggling. I need some help. I need you to pray for me. Amen. When you got that person in your life that you can that you can call on. That's why I so I love this place. You know? That's why I love the Bible. I love to come here. I can I can go play ball with my pastor. I can call him and tell him when I need something. I got my brother in law right here I can talk to. You know, it's just awesome, you know? And it's like, man, I can I can do all these things and I can I can I can do it. When I got Jesus on my side, amen? And, and I can come and I can say, hey, no matter what I'm going through, if I keep God in, in, in front, if I keep God the head of my life, I can do it. And then some pastors, you know, some people, you messed up. So how are you a Christian? I just, I just seen you fall. I just seen you do this. I just seen you take that drink. I just seen you do this. The Bible says... That we're going to make mistakes. The Bible says that we're going to fall. You know, all these things. Jesus took all those, all those sins, all those temptations. He took all that on, his, on himself. Our Heavenly Father had to turn his head away from Jesus. Because of you. Because of me. And that's why I do what I do every single day. I know I can't pay him back. But man, I'm going to try. You know what I mean? And it's like, man, even when times get hard, it's like, man, I'm really not seeing the fruit. I'm really not seeing stuff go my way. Those are things the devil going to put in your head. He like, man, you suck. Like, man, <laughs> you've been inviting all these people and you got one person to come? Bro, you, pff, what? You are terrible. What are you doing? You got to be doing something wrong. But no, the Bible says, you know, 
that no matter what we do, we got to keep doing it. We got to keep our faith and our trust in Jesus. That's what we have to do. Because no matter what, at the end of the day, it's just between you and him. But when you got that support group with you, then you can do it. And, and like Robert was talking about, speaking in tongues and just getting that, that, that other helper with you, that person that even when you ain't got no human with you, you still got Jesus and he superfied then. I don't know if that's a word, but it's, hey, it's, hey, that's him. When you when you praying in tongues and you can get away from that stuff, you're like, man, I really want to do this, but I'm going to start praying. And then you praying, you praying, you praying. By the time you get done praying, you done forgot all about what you was wanting. And that's what we have to do. And so what we have to do is have to come in. We got to answer that call. Stop putting Jesus on, on voicemail. Stop. Stop sending them the voicemail. Say, okay, this is the day. Today. Today is going to be the day that I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give my life to you. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to give my life to you. And each day I'm going to try to make some progress. Each day I'm going to try to read the word. Each day I'm going to try to get better. But don't use the excuse, oh, well, I read my Bible. Yeah, and but I'm going to still do what I'm doing over here. Or, yeah, I do this, but... I'm going to still keep doing what I'm doing. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. So stop being on the fence. Make a decision and get to it. If you want to be for Jesus, then be for Jesus. If you want to be for the world, then be for the world. But I choose Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we have to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen? And so we just have to, have to answer that call. We have to come to him, and then we have to walk it out. And that's what we have to make that decision. And I don't know if today is the day that you want to make that decision, but I would if I was you, because I love Jesus that much. And I know, and I wish I could just, just touch you and just you feel what I feel, you see what I see. Then it wouldn't even be a problem. We have everybody up here right now. You know what I mean? But, but I can't do that. I can just tell you what the Bible says. And that's what we have to do. So in the name of Jesus, I thank him for giving me this opportunity to love on him, to love him, to share the word with him, with y'all. And I thank you. Amen. Amen. I that was a good word. Walk it out. Amen. It was a good word because, and I got to tell y'all, when I got saved, you know how I used to do a whole lot of drinking, right? And they used to cost me money. After I got saved and after I answered the call, all the drinks were free. Amen. All the drinks were free. Everything I wanted was there. You know, I was like, man, y'all, a trip. You know, I was broke and y'all wouldn't buy me no drinks. But now I got saved, y'all won't give me everything, amen? Try to lure me back in. But I want to tell you that the devil knows, amen? The devil knows. That's why he's trying to trap you. He tries to trap you with the, with the alcohol, the women, the money, the, 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 just tying you up and keeping you busy, amen? But if you bow your heads and, and close your eyes, 